I recently hired some new staff, and I promise you, it's one of the most difficult boss duties around. We've both had our ups and downs when it comes to bringing on new talent. Sometimes we've hit it out of the ballpark. And other times, not so much. The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Such as the Happy Unicorn. Okay, so this one has a story. I found a great cocktail that was made with tonic. I'm not a big tonic fan. Um, so I had our cocktail mistress invent a new one. And this is called the Happy Unicorn, just like a perfect employee, right? And it's made with Hendrix Gin and St. Germain, which is the most beautiful bottle on the planet. And St. Germain is an elderflower liqueur, which is really, really lovely. And it's got a little fresh bit of thyme on there and a garnish of lemon, and it feels like spring and summer. It does. It feels like something that I just I want to sit on my deck. Let's sit on your deck. I would like that very much. We should record a podcast on my deck. I've got a couch and a coffee table and an umbrella. Do you have enough booze? Yeah. Happy Uh, unicorns? For sure. Unfortunately, I also have like 10, like a dozen kids that will show up. I have actually been woken up from a nap on my deck. By a neighbor kid tapping on my forehead. So, you know, at your own risk. At your own risk. Don't put the drink in a sippy cup. Is (laughs) that the message? Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Karen, what do you look for when you're hiring? I think it's especially hard when you're in small business and you don't have a human resource director giving you the, you know, the pathway to success, (laughs) which is kind of bullshit anyway. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not going to interview anybody that doesn't have the skill. Right. Or the talent to do the job. Right. So it's it's so much deeper than that. I think especially in a small studio so that it's the fit that's so much more important. Uh, I know you've been through this recently. Tell me about your experience. The talent and the skills are just expected to even get an interview, right? Yeah. But it's those soft skills and the fit, those are the things. The personality of the human and how they fit in with the puzzle pieces that are your existing staff Those are the things that make for that magical find. I feel like there's a difference between filling an empty seat and creating something new because you're expanding. Those are very different thought processes for an entrepreneur or a hiring process. And so filling an empty seat, it's kind of a, I don't want to reduce it to a one out, one in situation. But if the job description isn't terribly tweaked, you have a measuring stick with which to hire. You know how the last person performed, strengths and weaknesses, how you would like it to be different. Go. I think a new seat uh, really uh, is an opportunity for growth, but it impacts your existing team too. Sure. A new seat changes workflow for everybody. So if you're adding a staff member or you're adding a function, that will change everybody's day and everybody's flow and how all of your teams work. And so that's something to really consider. I think it also changes people how they feel emotionally. I feel like it could either be inspiring or threatening or maybe a, a dash of both. That's true. Although the existing seat, you know, when you have staff turnover... I feel like every time we hire a new staff person, we get smarter about the skills that are perfect and the type of fit that would happen. And so that existing seat, you can, as an entrepreneur or a small business owner or a hiring manager, you can get really smart really fast about what really works. And eventually you get to the point where you can articulate or you can see in in the interview that somebody has the skills they need for this job because you've tested the job, right? Yeah. You've tested what that skill set looks like. But those new seats, those are tricky. And we just hired one that was a new growth seat, and that's 
a really fuzzy job description. It's something that you just don't quite know what that person might be doing tomorrow when they walk in the door. And that that requires hiring a different personality. And with a new seat as an entrepreneur, maybe you're the most excited about <laughs> what that the possibility that that person presents and uh, you might have to justify it or you know talk your staff through what that means so that they can be on board with it. Yeah, so I think what we look for, I think we both agree, it's that magical something that makes someone click, makes someone fit, that interest and curiosity in their soul that makes you understand that they're going to care about the work you do for your clients. Yep. That's what we're looking for, really. And I think if you understand, if you're really rooted in your cultural values, um, there's something about the interview process or the courtship process, as I like to talk about it, that allows the candidate to reveal that their personal values align with your cultural values. This is sort of a sidebar, but you know I just wrote the weirdest job posting ever. I called it my Mary Poppins letter. It, no, it actually was maybe one of the most clever and strategic job posts I've ever seen. Here's the cool part, though. I got the best set of candidates I've gotten in a long time. And by the time we got to our final choices, all of my final selections were so good. And I was so delighted by the the people who applied were only the people who can deal with my strange humor and my non-linear thinking because they got to the end of the job posting. You know, it wasn't just your grocery list of buzzwords and technical terms. It was this meandering story. And anybody who took the time to apply the way we needed them to apply, you know, we already knew they'd be some sort of cultural fit for us. So maybe part of that is, I don't know, maybe that's the process problem. Maybe it's what your process is for hiring somebody. Well, it's not just process, but your process actually reveals a bit of your culture, right? Not just your interesting sense of humor, but um, because you're too modest to talk about it, you know, your posting was a story, but it also included things like grammatical or punctuation errors. And it intentionally included some disjointed thought. And so part of the posting's strategy was for people to feel courageous enough to correct it. And so I don't think that was your baseline uh, weeder, but if anybody mentioned it or was able to get to the table and talk to you about it, that earned huge bonus points. Yeah, it's true. That was fun. But we find the process, I mean, for me, the process of how we hire changes frequently. And I wish it weren't so. I wish I could say I had a fantastic process that we use every time and it's solid and we do it right. I don't know. How about you? How's your process? It's definitely changed over time. I think the technical skills that are required for um, my industry, it used to be that you couldn't find anybody in town who was just sitting on them. Uh, so you really had to recruit from outside of town. And I think now the industry is uh, saturated enough with folks who are doing similar work. And again, you can train some of those skills, but you're looking for the cultural fit that really, I think, tapping into our existing, um, not just your existing network, but asking your own team members to refer people who they already really respect and think are doing excellent work. That's true. We had one last year, a team member that we really, really enjoyed left, and it was for all the right reasons. She was moving to a bigger market, her life was changing, and I just said, do me a favor, and before you leave, find me someone who 
can be you. And so she found names for people who she felt would fit well in that spot. And that was a very successful hiring process. So for that, we didn't even post. We didn't post anywhere. We just went word of mouth. And when you have a strong relationship with the person who's leaving and they can assist you in finding the right fit for their job, how great is that? No, it is great. And I think it makes even stronger case for saying to team members like, hey, if you're transparent about you wanting your own life to be different and you still love us and you want us to succeed, help us in the transition and we'll help you right back. It doesn't have to be this weird like letter slid across the table saying two weeks notice. It can be a really collaborative process and be very healthy for both parties involved. Now you said collaborative, but you've talked about this as courtship as well before. I do. I kind of feel like the process of um, a new employee is a bit of a courtship. It's, you know, it's been forever. It's been two decades since I've had a first date. But um, I do feel like it's it's been two decades since you've had a new job. Fair. Yeah, absolutely. You you haven't had a date or an interview for a job in a long time. But I've interviewed a lot of people for jobs. That's true. So I've been on one side of that, uh, you know, salad and water. No, thank you for the meat process. <laughs> like this weird, like, no, I'll just have salad and water. I've been on that side of the table. It is a courtship. It's the wanting to put forward your best self to make sure that the other person know that you're serious, but not too serious. And that uh, you have the values and the qualities and the characteristics that the other person might find interesting. And that works both ways. And I, I think candidates often forget because they have so much skin in the game. They really, really want employment that they forget that the employer especially in small business, feels the same way, that you want to present your organization as a great place to work as authentically as you can without, like, faking it. You don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to present it incorrectly uh, because we all have hard days. You want to make sure that people know what to expect. But when you really feel like, oh, that was a really good one, you know, I hope we get to go to the next date. <laughs> it's like, I hope we get to go to the next stage. And it's it's really inspiring and exciting. So I think of it like courtship. That is fair. I, I, I get butterflies. Do you get butterflies? Oh, yeah. Super excited. Like the first day for a new person, I, I mean, I, I think about it and think about it and we plan for it and prepare for it. And I get worried that they're going to be uncomfortable or nervous. And yeah, you, I mean, it's, it's an exciting time. I fully respect the innovative way that you wrote a job post. I, I hope that the next time I have the opportunity to hire somebody, I'm able to use my own spin on our culture to hire someone. I think even in the past, I've said stuff like, stuff suits need not apply. When people show up in suits, it's very confronting for me. Like, <laughs> did you borrow that from your dad? What's happening? So, um, because we're so casual, but... Do you have any special questions that you feel are particularly illuminating? Gosh, we have a lot of, we have quite a few. I mean, our questions, there are the obvious questions about skills, right? And here's the problem with the obvious questions is if you're smart, you know the obvious answer. Yeah. And if you're a good candidate, there's all these strange and obvious questions that someone will ask and you know what the answer is supposed to be. Yeah. So that's that's easy. I think the interview process is an interesting one. So developing in a line of questioning that not only demonstrates that they understand and are able to articulate their own strengths and weaknesses or the predictable questions, but it's the ones that are going to throw them off a little and to see how they react. So for us, uh, we try to develop questions that reveal their thought process or their energy or their motivation, or their temperament, or their uh, worldview. 
Yeah, and for us, a lot of those are situational. So we'll make up a ridiculous situation and ask, what will somebody do? And so they have to work through the situation. And the best story problem is a situational dilemma that has a moral component. And you ask, what would you do? And there isn't really a right answer to those questions, but you can see the process and where their, you know, where their heart lies and what's important to them. And so we have lots of those strange little things. Yeah, questions where their answers are uh, demonstrate not only their worldview, but their maybe it's a matter of scruples or their integrity are always really exciting and um, or their interpersonal relationship problem solving skills or their sense of like if, if somebody can reveal to me in an answer what their sense of purpose is, that speaks volumes beyond what could be possibly illustrated in bullet points on their resume. And I really, really appreciate that. In fact, David, my business partner, has a question he loves asking people. On a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how would you rank yourself as a driver? Which is always a very odd question, but it's interesting for people to reveal if they're so confident that they're perfect. It's like, you know, driving is both Offense and defense, which is really what all relationships are. <laughs> and so it's like, how do you how do you feel about yourself in those vulnerable and offensive situations? And that's, so I think it's a really fun question. That's a good one. This last round, I asked pets, plants, or poutine. And the candidate had to choose which one of those would be their favorite and talk about why. And it was really fun to see people's response to the question. Because that's weird. Because it's weird. <laughs> but for me, you know, a plant is inanimate. You still have to nurture it, but it has sort of a decorative component. A pet is, you know, pets are pets. Poutine means maybe that you're a foodie. And so it gives you just opportunities to talk about the things you love or the things you're comfortable with. Or the candidate who talked about all of her cats and we knew all their names by the time the question was over. But that gives you a window into what they love and what they're enthusiastic about. And I like to understand those things because that's part of cultural fit, right? I love that. Pets, plants, or poutine? I think that that's an amazing set of questions, and I might steal that from you sometime. But I also think that not only by demonstrating what people say as things that excite you about their potential fit, maybe you also, before the interview process, should define what are red flags, things that people might say or do that are just off limits for you. What are non-negotiables? So if a candidate arrives late for an interview, is it non-negotiable or is it circumstantial? For me, typos of certain sorts in the resume itself or the cover letter are non-negotiable. We've had people who have messed up the name of our organization that's non-negotiable. If you can't get those details right, you are not going to succeed in our environment. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that you are not, you don't have the proclivities that will make you succeed in our client-driven work. Yep. So there are things there that are utterly non-negotiable. I am not very impressed with somebody who, who shows up late to an interview. And we are a pretty comfortable work environment. Like, you know, lunch is lunch. You get there and you or you go away, and if you have to pop out to get a coffee in the middle of the morning, who cares? But in an interview situation, I expect people to be just a few minutes early, don't you? I do. However, I have had people arrive late um, on the very rare occasion where they've called and they've said, I'm sorry, I got turned around. I've recentered myself and my GPS tells me that I'm seven minutes away. Is that still okay with you? And so it's the it's it's not just the circumstance that they're late. It's the reaction to it. It's the way that they've dealt with the circumstance that they're now dealt. And then, especially if they arrive, they're going to be flustered because they're nervous. And so that if I'm able to be real with them and, and set them at ease and they're able to still give me who they are, then that speaks volumes too. Because in a work environment, 
things are going to go wrong. Sure. So for me, there are non-negotiables, but I think some of them are circumstantial. But I do agree with the, with the typos for sure. The circumstance, though, there is it's how you handle a difficult, stressful situation. And that's such a great example of I'm running late, but I'm calling you and letting you know and giving you an appropriate space for response, which is different than... I'm running late and I don't acknowledge that and I don't value your time. Or not a call at all. Or not a call at all. So it's not even the circumstance, it's how people handle it, which is so illustrative to what their work ethic might be. Work ethic, character, values, a lot. It actually, you know, if they're worried about dropping the ball... Maybe they'll treat your client the way that they've treated you when the un- when the inevitable you know happens. situation happens. So tell me about meeting the one. You've hired people more recently than me. Tell me about when you know it's the one. Do you know when it's the one? Oh gosh, you know we did have such a great round of people this time around. In both of the spaces that we hired for, we had great viable candidates at the end, and so I was having a very hard time. I felt like the bachelorette, right, trying to choose between two great bachelors or something ridiculous. It's, and was it the most dramatic rose ceremony ever? The most dramatic rose ceremony, and honestly, I I sat and talked to myself in in solitude for days trying to trying to resolve a couple of these. Um, But knowing how it's the one, I got a really good piece of advice saying, what should this position grow to be and who fits that answer best? And I thought that was a really instructive and instructive piece from a friend of mine. That's actually really, really great because both you and I have job descriptions. I mean, they may look slightly different, but you're not just hiring for somebody who's the job description. Nobody's showing up at the interviews who can't do the job description. Right. So it's everything else. So as you grow your company, and I even said this recently to somebody, as I work very hard to grow this entity, and that may or may not look like onboarding lots of new staff. That might not mean adding numbers, but it might be growing the composite of the quality of work or the caliber of client that we're working with. That requires us all to stretch a little bit. It requires personal and professional growth. And so who can, who's in for that game, right? (laughs) Right. Once you've met the one, you have to make an offer, salary and benefits. And that to me is is worse than the courtship, right? Well, um, I'm hoping That by the time I get down to the kind of the small print, as it were, you know, the requirements of the job have already been articulated and even some of the benefits of the job. So, you know, salary benefits to me ought to be the details. So I'm hoping that whether or not we offer, you know, you've got a great bar cart or whether somebody's got paid time off for volunteering or unlimited PTO or working a telecommuting, you know, opportunity, you know, so those things ought to be revealed during the courtship process, right? So that you know that that's a very, the the things that you offer are a match for the values that the person has. So I'm hoping that as we continue to evolve and as we continue to uh, recruit new creative talent, that the intangibles that you offer are a match. It's not just about having, you know, really great snacks or it's about having um, opportunities that feel valuable above and beyond the salary and benefits. You know, in this era of such a crafted online persona, Redhead looks fabulous online. It looks like an excellent place to work. Render looks like an amazing place to work. The truth of the matter is work when you're sitting in the office, is harder than it looks like it is on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the offer and the benefits, there's also this 
expectation and reminding people that the work will be hard or that or we're very deadline driven or that the job I'm hiring you for is this job with this fit. Is that the job you're looking for? Yeah. So I think when it comes to offer time, we always take a moment to, to remind people, this is what the job looks like. This is what your day will look like. Are you sure that that's what you're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. And have you ever been in the situation where it comes down to the offer and there's a gap? Like what you've offered and what the expectation is, it's not quite lining up. And then how do you close the gap if it's worth it? That's true. For me, how do I close the gap? You know, I know that negotiation should happen, so I always come up with my top-end cap. So my top-end cap might not be the same thing that I've put on paper. I agree with myself beforehand. And in a situation where you have great candidates, you realize, would I be willing to let this person go at what point would I be willing to let this good candidate go? Mm-hmm. So you have to have that question beforehand. Yeah. And then are there, there's wiggle room things like PTO. Sure. But I will tell you, I have more and more frequently, because we tend to hire women, they just tend toward our industry. S- industry. Yeah. And I spend a little bit of time kind of forcing them into that conversation. You know, whether it becomes in hiring that asking for more or promoting, asking for more. I make that a harder conversation for them rather than an easier conversation because we know that women don't always have equity in the workplace and they don't always receive the same compensation that men do. But I think that's part of part of that is the lack of ability to ask for it. So I find that as almost your first piece of mentorship with a new employee is getting them into that uncomfortable conversation to a successful end. So in some ways that offer process is the first step in mentoring a new employee. Uh, there's, we could have a whole podcast just on that. That's, we, that's amazing. We could, but I think our time is up and I need another happy unicorn. Oh my gosh. So I know you've done some really amazing work recently and I'm really, really want to congratulate you on onboarding new great people. I know I'm uh, in that process as well. And it's just, it's indicative not only of the great work you're doing, the growth that you're experiencing, but also the culture that you're fostering. So congratulations. Thanks, man. And let's cheers to another magical unicorn because... uh, It's your turn next to find one. That's right. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Where do you want people to reach out to us? Well, they can check the recipe for this drink that we invented just for this podcast at thespeakeasypodcast.com and we do share all of our recipes with you as well as the gorgeous photos of them so you can see how they present but you can talk to us about hiring or look for us when we're posting job offerings at Easy Underground on all the social channels You've just been through this process but you know what? Somewhere in my future hiring I'm getting an assistant I need an assistant I need an assistant We all need an assistant Who doesn't? If it was that easy, Oprah would just say, you get an assistant and you get an assistant. (laughs) Tune in to figure out how we all tie up our loose ends. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Cheers.